properly begin today, I have an announcement. An announcement. An announcement for my colleagues here on the show and for every lovely listener there in home. I am changing my name. I've had enough of being called Jim Sterling. I am now Die Hard Man. I saw that name in the Death Stranding trailer that just went up, and now I've decided Ooh. my new name is Die Hard Man. Is, is it up now? Because last time yeah. I saw it, it was covered in a bunch of oily baby hands. Like, we start at 11am, the trailer literally just stopped airing at uh, 10.59. Um, oh, goodness. Oh, I kind of wish yeah. I'd seen that. Oh, well. I know, yeah, I, I was wondering How long is it? Or not. It's quite lengthy. Uh, uh, that was on quite after. a bit. Did, did it give a release date in the trailer? Yes, November. I yeah, November, November 9th or something? Uh, 9th or 29th or something, yeah. It, I did not expect it to be this year. Yeah, yeah. Because that, um, that release date got leaked through, I think it was the, the, the Taiwanese PlayStation Facebook page earlier today. And I was like, I was sure that was going to be like late next year, yeah. like first year of next gen. November kind of 8th. It is November 8th, 2019. Um, yeah, I had a look at it. It's uh, clearly like action stealth, similar to Metal Gear Solid. Um, except you seem to like, plug into the baby in a tank there's that little baby in a tank yeah and you plug a pipe into it which lets you see i think um, i think the death stranding is the name of these weird ghosts that like you, know, you see when you plug into the baby and you sneak around like trying not to get spotted by them that's what the gameplay seemed know, to show do you know what i think would be really good for this podcast is if you guys talked about pokemon for about eight minutes and 13 <laughs> seconds I see. I'm I'm currently trying to watch this trailer, but like the first minute of it has been uh, Mads Mikkelsen just like silently talking to presumably a baby, and I'm like, I I don't know what you're on about. I'm listening with no sound. It's a cool motorbike. Yeah, it, it reminds me a lot of that sort of cyber motorbike you could get in the DLC for Breath of the Wild. Yeah, it looks really interesting. Of course, I mean it's Hideo Kojima, so it, obviously it looks bloody weird as well. Everything is very excessive and over the top. I yep. like the weird. I mean, how could you not? There's a character called Die Hard Man. <laughs> they give you an, a lot of the names, and it, it's very evocative of Metal Gear Solid. Where, where is, where is the, the space in that? Is it Die Hard Man it's or die, die Hard dash. Man? It's Die Dash Hardman. Okay, so it's not like the man from Die Hard. It's Die Hard Man. <laughs> it's, yeah, the hard man, basically, <laughs> if, we, if we're going with the German. Um... You know, he's, he's Die Hard Man of the Hardmans. We all yeah. know the Hardmans. So, I have so, them around for dinner every Thanksgiving. So, okay, so Norman Reedus has psychic powers. He's doing an awful lot of walking with a big heavy thing on his back, which is pretty much all that they've shown in any other trailer for this game. Is like, ooh, got to put a big ladder up. They'll show you Quite, more. They'll show you mountain. him. Like, he, he sneaks past ghosts, for those who haven't seen it and are listening. Um, he sneaks past the weird ghosts, which I think are called the Death Stranding. Uh, are um, they perhaps stranded in in some sort of dead limbo? They, they are stranding in death? Well, the, the imagery certainly shows what looks like um, like ghosts coming back to do things from the past. So, like, there's a whole thing that looks like World War One trenches and soldiers coming back and just fighting the war. And they show a little bit of third-person shooting there. Um, only a little bit, but that Ooh, you know confirms like that's this... in there. I like this person whose gas mask has like a gold, uh, gold skull on it. That's that's cool. Die Hardman. 
That's Die Hardman. That's Die Hardman. Oh, oh I quite like Die Hardman. <laughs> yep, he's got this whole sort of like black skull from Batman kind of skull on his face and with this, the suit and everything. It looks really cool. Um, all the character designs look nice and they've all got like wacky names. I think Die Hardman is one of several that have like a weird name with a dash in it, which is evocative of stuff like um, Foxhound from Metal Gear Solid where they all had weird code names. Um, so yeah, I mean, it looks very Kojima. They show off more of um, uh, Guillermo del Toro in there. Yeah. Uh, you've, good you've stuff got a baby, for the looks of it. You've got a baby on your front and some people in hazmat suits with tasers are trying to get you. And if mm. they get you, you might drop your, your lunchbox that you're carrying. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they should have called it. Don't drop your lunchbox by a Hideo Kojima game. Yeah, it does just look like he's carrying a big yellow lunchbox around. I assume it's meant to be a briefcase or something. Yeah. And the the graphics can only be described as luxurious. Again, Um, I I know I said this at the start of the episode. I was sure this was going to be a next-gen thing. Like, those... uh, You know, Kojima's games have always been some of the more beautiful things on a console in terms of photorealism, but like I thought we were seeing next next gen shit in all these trailers. I mean I can't blame you. The the facial animations especially are uh, pretty damn impressive. Someone the, uh, needs to set this chase sequence the, to Benny Hill music. Nah. <laughs> okay, I see what you mean, these sort of wispy, wispy black cloud ghost monster creatures. Yeah. Sort of like the Dementors in Harry Potter. You sort of like... they do look a bit like the Dementors in yeah. Harry Potter. They're they're a little bit like floaty black fabric. Yeah, wispy in the air. It's a very odd looking trailer. It's a very lengthy one. I'm only. It's a very Kojima looking trailer. We had a very Kojima length trailer yeah. as well. Um, I remember when uh, Metal Gear Solid Three, when Snake Eater was coming out, and some of the trailers there were just. They'd go on and on, and then the trailer would end, and then there'd be a final stinger scene post at the end yeah. of the trailer, and then there'd be an end stinger scene for the end stinger scene to carry okay. on the trailer. Okay, I just saw what appeared to be zombie skeletons in World War One and a naked Mads Mikkelsen covered in oil, and now it's a first-person shooter in the trenches. <laughs> this is a very unusual game. There are, there are dolls of babies hanging from... From barbed wire? Yeah, I don't like their dolls. I mean, when I say that, I mean I love them. But at the same time, God, they look horrifying. There's, there's a woman trying to swim upwards when she's just in a room full of air. That's That that was a very odd thing to watch. I won't make friends with this baby. This baby in the jar seems, seems pretty <laughs> the rad. The baby seems chill for something that yeah. seems to spend its whole life in a tank. Like, at one point, Norman Reedus says he feels like... He feels horrible every time he does something, like plugs the thing in. But then he says, like, it's how I, something like how I connect to the other side. So it's almost like the baby is a ghost modem. (laughs) That's what they should have called the game as well. The baby is a ghost modem. There there are some really interesting, you are right, there are some weird character names in this. Yeah, brilliant. Lots of blank man, dead man, heart man. Yeah, it's like Mega Die Man. man. We'll, we'll see Cut Man and Sheep Man and all of that coming along soon. Guts Man. Um, there's, a, there's a character wearing a grey jumpsuit that kind of looks like... It's got red stripes on it. It looks a bit like an N7 Mass Effect outfit, but made out of like tracksuit material. 
I feel like I know less than I knew six minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> I like that we we saw some gameplay. That was good. We got to see some definitive. Here's an idea of what it's like, and he, you know, we definitely can see it's got that. You you will get to shoot thing a thing. Kojima You'll get to so shoot well. a thing. Yeah. Um, I was really, really quietly hoping that this would be a 40-hour game where you just walked around, like, collecting science samples. Didn't you have that in No Man's Sky, Laura? (laughs) (laughs) Well, that was at least telling me I had to go somewhere. I just want to be a quiet scientist where it's just like, no, no, there's no particular objective. Maybe you'll find a nice plant. If No Man's Sky also let you have a chat with a baby in a bottle, I think it would have been game of the year. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No baby's bottle. That's what it should have been called. No, no, no baby's bottle. No bottle, no baby. No blood for oil. This, this, this game is so. I, I keep watching things and being more confused. There's, there's men who were skulls who were on fire, but Mads Mikkelsen is immune to fire. It seems. Yeah, he's he's a Targaryen. Yeah. Swivels. Right, I've seen the, it now. Yeah. <laughs> The the more the more that we keep seeing of like PlayStation stuff at the moment, I'm like, I reckon PlayStation could have put a press conference together for E3. Yeah, I mean, but at the same time, the fact that we're all still seeing it and talking about it maybe demonstrates that they don't need to, which I think is oh, what a lot of the industry is no, trying I, to work out right now: is do we need E3, or I, can we spend the money elsewhere? And actually be economical with this and use the internet for a, its yeah. intended purpose, the spread of information. I, I totally don't think they need E3, but I totally think that like if they'd wanted to do a state of play presentation, that you know they wouldn't have had to hire out an auditorium or anything. Just go, hey, here's probably an hour-long presentation. It's got your Final Fantasy VII trailer that everyone lost their shit for. Here's your Death Stranding trailer and release date. They probably could have put that together and made oh, something no doubt, that people yeah. would have gone, oh, heck, that's basically PlayStation's Nintendo Direct for E3. Yeah, I mean, it, it looks like they've they've certainly got the content. Um, it is interesting that they've declined to do to, to use that content during E3 week. Um, and, and I'm just, I'm very curious as to how future E3s are going. I, I didn't, mm. haven't gotten around to reading it yet. I know Kotaku... Uh, published an article about the ESA and the struggles they were having with E3, and there seems to be some mismanagement going on there. Um, but like I say I haven't properly read it yet. I mean, I know the ESA is a, a bag of shit, and I despise it. Um, you know, it's it's the industry's lobbyist wing, and m- most corporate lobbyists are not pleasant, and the ESA has several times proven that it's... Uh, a self-serving piece of shit that loves to rally the troops, loves to rally true hardcore gamers to protect the game industry. But when it comes time to return any such favour, they will never go to bat for anyone else. Um, Mm. They proved that during the Soper and Pippa thing. Um, They've proved that when they're trying to fight against any uh, any checks and balances for the gambling and the monetization and the exploitation going on in the industry... The fact they had the Video Game Voters Network to try and rally true hardcore gamers into going out and voting for the interests of the game industry, which mm. does not look out for their interests whatsoever, is despicable. It's despicable. So yeah. that's part of the reason why I've always been, um, or certainly in recent years, why I've been aggressive about E3 and why I welcome the idea of game publishers withdrawing from it is because I hate the ESA. I won't pretend there's anything 
I won't pretend there's much more outside of personal bitterness and hatred fueling a lot of that. Aside from the fact that I also think it's a waste of money. I, I totally agree with you in that the ESA as a as a as a group probably isn't doing the games industry any favours. But Oh no, idea... that's the problem. They're doing wow. the game industry okay, way too okay, many favours. <laughs> okay, not doing people who play games any favours, but um yeah. I I would be very sad if we lost here is the concentrated week that everyone talks about games. Because, uh, like, even if we get a little bit of drift out, like, I'm not totally opposed to, say, PlayStation does their stuff a bit here, a bit there, two weeks before E3, someone does theirs a week or so after. We get, like, maybe a month of here's lots of things happening. But I, I like having that condensed here's the big summer burst of game stuff, because it's, it's just exciting. I mean, I'm not... Yeah, I, I can't yeah. Um, argue that. Like, you know... Gav and I talk every year about how fun it is to snark on Twitter. I may actually be doing um the the E three snarkathon with Jenna Bain and that on Twitch uh, uh, this year. I, I may I, be as um, well as that though. I I just genuinely find E three exciting. Like, well, it's I know, nice to have an I know event. There's a lot of cynicism about it, but I genuinely love watching all the trailers and and seeing the new games announced and stuff. I I I am just I don't know. Maybe there's something wrong with me. Call me a fanboy or whatever but i i just love i genuinely find it exciting well here's the thing like i'm not saying that people shouldn't be excited for e3 or anything like that i'm just saying that from a from a financial perspective it makes sense that publishers might not want to put that much money into something where they could just disseminate the information online disseminate was not the right word in that context but they could just spread the information online and reach more or less the same amount of people um E3 booths are ridiculously expensive to set up and maintain. Having a whole big press conference for games is, for an industry that needs to save money and is suffering from unsustainable growth mm -hmm. and needs to keep the profits coming in to please their shareholders, E3 is probably an easy cut to make for a few companies. Not all of them. Some of them do want as much of that pomp and circumstance as possible. Yeah. Um, but I understand... I think it makes sense for a lot of companies to withdraw from E3, uh, yeah. and I've got no sympathy for the ESA as a result because I, I hate the ESA. I would have zero problem if all of those companies moved to basically Nintendo Direct where they just went trailer, 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 trailer in a pre-made video live stream, improve the pace, skip out the people stood on stages waffling in between. Like, yeah, Oh yeah, if, if yeah. the industry came together and were just like, right, E3 this... E3 week, whatever we want to call it or whatever, like our new E3 week is just, we are going to have, yeah, like you say, Direct, PlayStation Access, and Xbox Expose, or whatever they want to call it. They, they um, have a, they in theory have a thing, what is it, Xbox, oh, I don't even remember what it's Xbox called. Xbox One for instance. <laughs> they, they have like they have a thing that they do where they release news and they have a person talking in between. Yeah, but it's really forgettable and I don't even know what it's called. <laughs> that the show where where Major Nelson tells tells Angry Joe that um always online is baked into the architecture of the machine yeah, yeah, and that, can't be turned uh, off. <laughs> that basically that. What is that? What is that thing called? It's annoying me now. I don't remember what it's called. Uh, Inside Xbox. Oh, that's, yeah. that's what uh, yeah, that's what Ellen is on. Uh, no, that's uh, outside. That's outside Xbox. Oh right, or yeah. outside extra. Those ones. Ellen's lovely though. I met Ellen. I saw Ellen at the weekend. Ellen's lovely. 
I have to uh, shout out Ellen this week as well because the game I've been playing all week was on her recommendation. So, oh, what game was that? Kingdoms of Amalur. Can we just can we just clarify? Can we clarify Ellen? Because um, some yeah, people I... might be thinking we're all hanging out with Ms. Degenerous. Oh no! Yeah, no, 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 no. I totally was hanging out with Ms. Degenerous at the weekend. No, um, Ellen Rose, uh, who is I believe at uh, Ickleneddy Rose on Twitter, who is wonderful and has good opinions on games and is a lot of fun to hang out with so gav kingdoms of amala i love that game what do you think of it um i really really like it and i'm glad i gave it a third chance because this is the (laughs) thing i tried i tried the demo before and i think you know what i think it was i think it was just timing because skyrim had just come out and Mm. uh when i first played it and it just was a different kind of game to skyrim um, I'm now like 24 hours into this game. I never knew I'd get so far, and I'm really, really enjoying it. It's it's just a great little RPG. It really is got, good. Um, it's got a lot of heart put into it. The story's good. It's nothing mind-blowingly good, but it does have a nice little meta kind of narrative on the... It, it, it's not like a full fourth wall break, but the story in the game revolves kind of around you as a player and the effect that you have on RPG worlds, and I think that's yeah. kind of cool. Like if I story... recall correctly, like it's a world where everyone has a set destiny and fight, but you exactly. don't. Like yeah. they literally have a cycle that they go through, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and you don't. And and the fact that you're coming along with no predetermined fate is kind of causing ru- yeah, causing yeah. ruptures in the the nature of the universe. And it's very cool. You shouldn't be in the good place, basically. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It's it's a nice concept for a game as well because it 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 really works well with that whole thing of npcs doing the same thing because Mm -hmm. they're npcs and it's like ah you are the person with control in this world it's it's nice when you have a a, like a concept like that that works so well within the mechanics if i recall correctly ra salvatore did the story oh um yes uh, i don't know who that is but if you're i don't know if we're talking about the same person but i believe someone who was heavily involved in oblivion also uh, had a lot to do with this game, and I think R.A. Salvatore shows... did like D and D based novels. Dritzed yeah. is his fault. <laughs> I don't know what that is. But, uh, yeah, it's a really nice world to exist in. This as well. It's it's like mm. it's got this really lovely, warm, nostalgic art style that, and I mean this. I don't mean this as an insult. I mean this actually as a compliment. It feels like a HD version of a PS2 or PS1 game almost. It's it's kind mm. of an MMOE art style, I suppose. It's it's very bright, lots of colors. Mm-hmm. I can't stop taking screenshots because there's just every area you go to has a completely different color palette. Even so, even so far as you go into a random dungeon and you get a completely new color palette, and it's like <laughs> it's just so pretty. I I really the like best this. the best and worst thing in that game, from what I recall, is the fact that you can constantly. Um, reset and rebuild your character yeah which is the best thing because i love re you know i love i think most games most action rpgs certainly should have respec options but i spent more time respecing than i did playing the game because i wanted to try all of the things exactly every every time i pick up those spinny magic wheels that you can fucking throw like frisbees i get serious fomo and I'm like, I want to try these. <laughs> I want to try these as my main. Because <laughs> I built a might character because I'm boring. And uh, I feel like when I pick up like like the daggers and the spinny blades, I'm like, man, I really want to try these. So 
this is the thing uh, I, I want to say. The combat's really deep in this game compared to most RPGs. Well, uh, compared to most RPGs that I've played recently, at least. Yeah. There's a lot of... Um, it's not the perfect. The games could be a bit more in-depth back then. Yeah. It's I like I like though how many moves you get and how much there is to unlock and how I mean it's the combat isn't as tactical say as like a FromSoft game but it's certainly a lot better than than Elder Scrolls combat or something like that. Yeah, it's not just you know wildly flailing at enemies until yeah. they fall over. There are there are definitely some frustrating things in the combat. I find you can get locked into combos that there's no way to break out of, which I think is mm. really and even when they're only doing a tenth of your health. In damage, it's still fundamentally frustrating as fuck when an enemy hits you three times slowly and there's nothing you can do to block it or counter or dodge it if you're right. in a certain spot. And I also find there's a lot of a lot of moves, especially ranged ones, that stun you for a second. And I, I that that drives me nuts in games when an enemy off screen stuns you when you're trying to fight another enemy. That is that is always such a... So so for that reason, I found the spiders very frustrating. <laughs> and mm -hmm. and the, the shamans in the kind of... Uh, you know the kind of swampy area where you have to fight these huge big guys with like unblockable attacks and then there's packs of wolves attacking you at the same time. And I was like, Jesus Christ, because it's not difficult. <laughs> it's super easy because you can like make loads of health potions. And in fact, I'd actually, this is one of the very few games I would recommend putting on hard mode. Because it's uh, it's actually very very easy on normal, mm. but um, yeah, great fucking game. And don't let me bitching about those two bits turn you off because most of the combat is really fun. Anytime I'm fighting human enemies, I have a great time. Yeah, it's not as bad as like Dark three, which I played you know a few months back. Like the um, most of the combat you end up in involves enemies hitting you from off screen yeah. with a really yeah. bad telegraphing visual indicator to try and warn you it's happening but yeah. they don't give you enough time to react and it's such a small indicator you miss it because you're actually trying to play the game terrible yeah. for it but Amal you've got me wanting to play Amala again I haven't played it since it yeah. first came out I could kind yeah. of go for that now yeah. that you've brought it up yeah really great little game well I, little is the wrong word it's fucking like yeah <laughs> 24 hours in and I haven't even unlocked like a third of the map so if if you're enjoying it there is a lot of game in there to find yeah. um there, there was another press conferency thing that happened uh, earlier this week that was baffling and confusing and odd because video games are very confusing and odd uh, very quickly there was a pokemon press conference there there's one thing that I thought was useful and one thing I am baffled by uh, hey, they made a thing so you can back up your Pokemon on online, so I'm not going to lose all my shinies now, which is great because that's got to be a weight off. Yeah, that that I have to keep my Switch safe and undamaged until early next year. But once I do, <laughs> I can back up my shinies somewhere and it'll be fine. Uh, and is the this my cue to go watch the Death Stranding trailer again? Laura. Uh, no, this will take like five <laughs> seconds. Uh, the Pokemon company wants to know everything about you while you're sleeping. They're releasing a game called Pokemon Sleep. And you're supposed to put it under your pillow, or your phone under your pillow while you sleep. And you'll like, you'll this, train your Pokemon by sleeping. Is this a not the onion moment or is this actually a thing? This is an actual thing that... The Pokemon Company came and announced on, on a stream. They're selling a peripheral to put under your pillow if you don't want to put your phone under your pillow. 
so they could track how long you sleep for, and if you sleep good, they'll, you know, evolve your Pikachu or whatever. Isn't it kind of probably not a great idea to put your phone under your head when you're asleep? Probably not, which is why you should buy our uh, our peripheral to, you know, track your sleeping okay. so that you're not putting your phone under there. I don't know the which... science about that, but, like, I don't know. I think the <laughs> yeah. fact that we don't know much about how harmful they are... <laughs> So you're probably right. Uh, the peripheral they want to put under your pillow is called, I kid you not, the Pokemon Go Plus Plus. I don't, I don't know why. They want you to put a plus plus under your head while you sleep. Is it that Pokemon? Sorry, my my internet decided to die on me momentarily, so <laughs> we I couldn't. Got very loud for a second. Jesus you just like, what, what, what? <laughs> oh, apologies. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, my internet decided halfway through the call that it would fuck up because that's what Comcast likes it's, to do. Yeah, it's fine. Pokemon want to track you sleeping. Right, yeah. So yes. Yeah. Um I saw someone on Twitter mention that this is um this is the late the, the latest stage of capitalism. Yeah. They've managed to get you while you're asleep now. Yeah, the the way they tried to sell it was like, hey, so we made walking into entertainment. What else do you do in your day? Walking and sleeping, that's the two activities. Sleeping, that's not fun at all. Put a thing under your pillow, and then when you wake up, Pikachu will say, Ah, oh, I ran 100 miles because you slept for eight hours. Oh, you overslept. I, I, I don't like I that. didn't get my Thunderstone now. I don't like that at all. That That is, that is capitalism sighing. We're not making much money off them while they're asleep. It's How do we monetize sleep? It's napitalism. It's napitalism. <laughs> Nice one, Centurion. I'm just upset. Like, I'm worried that my um, my poor sleep schedule, where like you know, I'll wake up in the middle of the night and I'll toss and turn. That they're gonna be like, that wasn't restful sleep. No reward for you. (laughs) Sleep better. Sleep, sleep with one eye open because Mr. Mime is watching now. I think think if I had that app, it would have a nervous breakdown trying to track my sleep. Yeah. yeah, I'll just like attach it to my cat's collar, and every time my cat goes for a nap, it'll just wrap me up some sleep points. I go through such weird phases with sleep. Like, for some reason, for periods of weeks at a time, my body will fall into one pattern, then suddenly switch to another. Lately, this past few weeks, it's been waking up specifically at like four fifty-two a.m. Specifically between, I say, four fifty and four fifty-two a.m. Just 10 to 5, and then I'll fall asleep after about 30 minutes and be back awake at 6.30. And that's just my mornings now. And a couple of weeks from now, it'll be something completely different. Well, don't they say I can't the, handle it. Don't they say the average cycle is about 90 minutes, so that kind of makes sense. I guess so. Like if but, you fall asleep and wake up naturally, it's usually in 90-minute cycles. I, I could be completely wrong there, but that's what I heard no, I on the internet, so it has to be true. I believe that's the case, yeah. I, well, I mean, all I know is this is like, you know, I'm waking up at 10 to 5 and, incre- you know, fully awake and lucid. Um, and then look at my phone for like a bit, like 10, 20 minutes, and then try and get some more sleep. But that's yeah. just the way it is now. I, um, I would never. Like, until it changes. I, I have to like keep my phone as far away from me as possible when I'm <laughs> sleeping, because if I even look at it once, I won't go back to sleep at all know what it is about the light or whatever just tells my brain wake up yeah it, it 
I've tried in the past having those things on your phone where it changes the light colour from like, what is it, like orange light to blue light and that's supposed to make it not make you so awake. I well, don't yeah, know I've if it works. But... I just do that because it's more pleasant to look at. Yeah, exactly. Blue, blue light is like pretty intense on the eyes. Yeah. I had yeah. my, my computer was set to do that. Like when it got dark, it would go all like, it would say it would go all orangey. But it didn't go all orangey. It would just turn to the colour of piss. And I couldn't <laughs> I couldn't cope with it. Yeah, I had night- to turn it off again because that was more distracting than anything else. Yeah, that's true. The nighttime filter on, on computers, I don't get it. It's just ugly. If you have it Horrible. permanently on that night filter, you don't notice it so much. But when that's it's suddenly true. like, it's 10 o'clock, piss screen time. And then when you're watching a YouTube video about like David Fincher's use of cinematography and it just looks like piss, you're like, yeah, no, I got to take this off. Yeah, Oh, exactly. Jesus. Yeah. If I tried to watch Alien 3 on it, talking to David Fincher, like I, <laughs> it would be because that film is mostly orange and piss colours as well. Go on, say <laughs> it. Go on, do it. And his best work. <laughs> it's I would never say something so ridiculous. It's it's among his best work. <laughs> uh, I'm sure the Alien 3 he was going to make would have been great. But, hey, there was a lot of executive meddling on that one. Uh, in terms of film stuff, you know that Sonic movie that, you know, they, they, yeah. they were all like, hey, we're going we're gonna to redesign Sonic. And everyone went, that film comes out in six months and you've not said you're delaying it. Is that going to be enough time to redesign it without crunching the hell out of everyone? Well, they've taken some time to think about it and they've delayed the film. Yeah. Something tells me it was less consideration for crunch and more, oh shit, we've actually got a really, like, a ton of work to do to to reintegrate an entirely different design into the film. As CG as it is, the live action stuff is still, I'm imagining, mostly done. You gotta wonder what they were thinking that they didn't show this to a few people before, you know, and and go, hey, what what do people think of this? Well, I well they might, they probably did focus tests, and the thing about focus testing is, and this is all spit like me guessing what they may have done, but if they did use focus testing, a lot of the times you find they pick people to get the answers they already want. Yeah. They this is why a lot of video games just do the same thing as each other and look the same and why that Fuse game went from a really interesting colorful um comedic game to a serious drab shooter because they just focus test the same group of people over and over again to get the desired results. Um, the, the, the and other... and they wanted Sonic to be realistic. That was their driving force. So they would have found the people who would have agreed that this was mm. the right Sonic to go with. Because they showed Sega and they said they didn't like it. They said Sega was concerned about things like the, I think the eyes they voiced concern yeah. with, but Hollywood knows better. So the, the producer was just like, eh, it's not realistic if we don't have him looking like this mangled you baby. Why does he have the human teeth? Mm. I'm still not over his human teeth. It's the fingers that still get me, but it does look like they're going to give him gloves now. So I'm my biggest horror is I think someone said that yeah they're putting gloves on him, but he's going to spend the film barefoot. I, I <laughs> and that them, just made my skin crawl. I want them to lean even further into realism and to have him just be a hedgehog. I want him to just be a blue. <laughs> not hedgehog. even blue. Not even blue, just a normal hedgehog. Just a normal and they're having hedgehog. full conversations with it, and it's not saying anything. 
It, maybe it's got like little speech bubbles above it. You've got to read the subtitles. There's one yeah. scene in the movie. He tries to cross a road. The end. <laughs> 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 got to go fast. Well, at least fast for a hedgehog, I guess. Splat. Credits. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. Uh, um, yeah, uh, that freaks me out. Yeah. Uh, Call Call of Duty, new Call of Duty is getting announced soon, probably at E3. Uh, actually, well, it seems like it's maybe going to be before E3, but um, it's apparently going to be Call of Duty Modern Warfare, which yep. I've seen a lot of people mocking. But before we say anything else, like the, the, the take I saw on it that got me to go, ah, maybe it's not so laughable, is people pointed out this isn't the first time we've had this. Like, the most successful God of War game ever was called God of War, even though we already had a game called God of War. Like, it's very standard. What mm. makes this one stand out to people, I think, is because we because Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare was a thing. And yeah. now the fourth Modern Warfare is Call of Duty Modern Warfare. It's an extra layer of confusion. But yeah. um, I did a video on this uh, last week, and I pointed out that if you consider what it is Activision needs to do with this franchise... It almost couldn't have been called anything else. Yeah. Because like... Black Ops 4 did not make as much money as Black Ops 3. There was a big investor panic when... <clears throat> sorry, there's a big investor panic when it came out. Um, you know, stocks dropped. They've got to keep trying to make Call of Duty more successful than it was the year before, yeah. which is a near impossible, unsustainable task. But... What was the big watershed game for that series? It was Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare. However, because we've got Black Ops 4 and that didn't do so well, they don't want to do Modern Warfare 4, but they do want the Modern Warfare name. So this is pretty much the only compromise they could have come up with that makes sense. Yeah, and there's a couple of other things as well. In that, um, So as you said, Call of Duty 4 was the one that made the series blow up. And then Modern Warfare 2, which was Call of Duty 4 Part 2, and was equally as awkwardly named, went mm. on to become at their time the biggest game in the world, I think, yeah. ever. Yeah. The best selling game ever. And well, no, apart from like your Grand Theft Autos and whatever. But that that stratospherically launched the series and it made it into the YouTube juggernaut it was and everything. And and that was equally awkwardly as named. So I think they'll be all right. Mm. One of the one of the things that's like becoming more and more apparent over time is if you go with numbered sequels, it makes people afraid to jump in who haven't been up to date yeah. on the franchise, particularly if it's a franchise that started last generation or not all of the entries in the series are on the current generation of hardware. People get afraid to jump in new, which is yeah. why... Did when... you know that iTunes favours podcasts now that don't have episode numbers? I they don't even want the title wow. of the podcast in there. That's yeah. why when I do Boston's Favourite Son now, like it feels like too late for this because it's established a legacy, but with Boston's Favourite Son, I only give it the title, the episode name. I, I don't call it Boston's Favourite Son in the title. I, I don't number it. I have a new podcast starting very soon in which I won't be numbering the episodes for there that very reason. Yeah, Thanking Conrad Zimmerman for pointing that out to me. Um, but yeah, for that same reason, because I do that, like if I see a new podcast and I see it's like episode 100 something, I'm like, 
do I want to jump in now when there's a hundred other things of in-jokes or other things that I may not miss and may, may, may not have seen? Do I want to start again and try and go through a hundred hours to get caught up? Like, it's a it's a tough thing. So I see why they don't want numbers like, again, especially after Black Ops 4 panicked gen- Generally, I enjoy that, but there are, you know, there's always exceptions. I love, in- yeah. I, I love listening to My Brother, My Brother and Me, and that is definitely a podcast that knows it's like, yeah, yeah, we're up to 300-something, sure, sure. whatever, but... Yeah. Yeah, but then it, you get podcasts like Mark Maron's one, where you can literally jump in any episode, and you yeah, won't have mixed that, missed anything else really. I, I think there is definitely an appeal to you can just jump into this and it's fine, without yeah. like a, a number involved. And, and that's got to be part of what's influenced this decision. Yeah, with, with Marvel Warfare. And I I think like not to dismiss our the people podcast, who are saying our <laughs> podcast and is the reason that Modern Warfare has its name. <laughs> it's I, I don't want to dismiss the people who say it's silly to call it modern warfare because like it is a bit silly there is already a game sure. that people refer to as called it looks modern farcical warfare. if you've been following the series as long as yeah you know honestly people i don't i don't care about the name what i'm uh interested to know is is there going to be another campaign with like captain price because if there is i'll buy it and I, if if there's no campaign yeah. it's another skip for me i'm afraid Exactly. Yeah. I, I will totally play another Call of Duty with a single player campaign. I'm not interested in jumping into another multiplayer only one. With a good yeah. campaign. I don't like cause... Call of Duty multiplayer anymore. Oh. I'm, not only did I get bored of it, the only people it really appeals to anymore are the people that play it so long and so hard and so just it dominates their gaming time that I find it impenetrable now. I feel, I feel that with every multiplayer game, to be how, honest. How, yeah. did, how did the multiplayer only ones sell? It sold okay, um, but not, not as Black good Ops, as... Black Ops 4 made 500 million in three days, but Black Ops 3 made 550 million, and that's why investors panicked, because uh, it made a bit less. Yeah. Uh, and again, probably why they don't want to call this Modern Warfare 4. There's probably a lot of stigma and fear after how Blops 4 did, plus all the other issues that we've talked about. Yeah. Did you know... This ain't the first time they've tried to fiddle around with the Modern Warfare name. Call yeah. of Duty Modern Warfare 2 was not even going to have Call of Duty in its name. It was just going to be called Modern Warfare 2, and they were going to try and have the Call of Duty series mm. and the Modern Warfare series, but they had fears about, quote-unquote, brand awareness, and that seems to be why they tack Call of Duty back on. So, yeah, they are constantly trying to find ways to market Modern Warfare as a thing because it did so well for them, it seems. Yeah. I, I, my, my gut reaction was to be like, this is weird and strange. But the more I think about it, I'm like, yeah, I, I, I get it. You are trying to make a new entry point to the most successful thing you've ever done. Yeah, and it makes a twisted sense when you consider the state of the industry right now and the position Activision is in, and the demands that are had of of major publishers. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, it, it um, does make sense. Every... As as I've argued, it couldn't have been called anything else when you consider the goals they need to accomplish with it. I, I shudder when I think back to the two years I spent obsessed with uh, playing Call of Duty. Like, <laughs> there, I, I did not know a game could make me that angry. <laughs> <You know? laughs> removing, the, the... removing that game from my life and multiplayer in general was one of the best decisions I ever made. <laughs> I can't yeah. fault you for that. Um, I did play the shit out of the first Modern Warfare. Call of yeah, Duty 4. I Call of Duty 4 spent... was so much fun because... Here's the thing: there wasn't a YouTube culture around it. Really, <laughs> yes, yeah. it, mm. it was blossoming, or rather, festering. <laughs> but no one knew how to play the fucking thing except like a few people. So you'd get so many lobbies where everyone was just running around, 
having a laugh. People didn't know all the camping spots. People didn't know how to abuse things. You know, there wasn't like these super sweaty, try-hard tactics that you find now that every Call of Duty player knows. In Call of Duty 4, everyone was just running around like a headless chicken and it was brilliant. It was okay to just jump in and be a bit shit and have some fun. Yeah. Uh, but you were either running around like a headless chicken or you were in that crashed plane, yeah. squatting down, yeah. popping off what you could until someone threw a grenade in there. And someone until someone threw three grenades in there, blew <laughs> yes. you up, That's and then the correct. grenade that fell out of your arse blew them up. <laughs> um, oh, God, sh- I Do you remember that. The, the map with the shipping containers? Not the big ship, but the small one. The tiny oh. little map with the shipping containers. And when you oh, would play God. in that, and you would just get your three frags and an LMG and just throw them and hope for the best. And you'd usually <laughs> get three or four kills just by standing there throwing frags. Oh, this is why fun. I've always preferred kill zone as a thing, because even though there's still quite a few people that play it, it does not have that quite that same culture of, of as Call of Duty of everyone like pulling it apart and getting under the hood and optimizing how it's played because there aren't there aren't quite enough people that care about the series so i can pop in and, and have a, a bit unfor- more of a laid back unfortunately to play killzone you have to use a ps3 controller as well which is just i cannot play shooters on that controller for whatever reason oh you can do shadowfall which was the weakest killzone outside of the first one but the multiplayer was oh, nice that enough. One, yeah it was all right yeah i, yeah. I, I think i played through the whole campaign of that, it was at least engaging enough to get a, a five-hour playthrough. Yeah, it was yeah. it was good enough. Um, it was not. I'm I'm, I'm very glad they for. didn't make another one and made Horizon Zero Dawn though, because oh god, yeah, yes, yes, that game was magnificent. It's like in my top three games this gen with like Bloodborne and Witcher Three. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, other things we had this week. E3 is approaching, and as such. Things are starting to leak because they do every year. It looks like Ubisoft's making a roller derby video game, and I got really excited about that. Nice, oh, I know nice. you like that. Yeah, yeah they, they got a, a game. Yeah. There's a, a a Square Enix Avengers game as well. Yeah, we've we've known that's been coming for a while, but they they finally confirmed it's going to be at E3, which is nice. Uh, yeah, the roller derby one. They some like key art and some footage of it seems to have leaked, and it looks generally like a roller derby game you've got five five people on each team skating around in a circle trying to get past each other i i as someone that enjoys roller derby i've been saying for years we need a good roller derby sort of slightly arcadey video game so that's that's now the thing i'm excited for in ubisoft can't wait for um, e3 i've i've uh, i said to rach don't we that we need we are to have absolutely zero social anything from the 7th until the 10th <laughs> I, I, not I, available I, those days i i had the same with jane i was like this is the this is the e3 block like, i'm gonna yeah. be just taking over the living room and like, th- no, this is where i live no parties no no nights out no friends no nothing for those three days <laughs> uh i think this is the first time i'll be excited for a sports video game in a e3 press conference oh yeah <laughs> yeah uh, what else is there? What, what have you been playing this week, Jim? I cannot for the life of me remember whether or not I talked about or had even played by that point Lapis X Labyrinth. You did I don't not think talk I about had. it last week because I, I, once I saw that you'd been playing it, I was like, Ooh, I, I need to share thoughts with Jim on this one. I love it. It's... I love it. 
it's chaos and I don't know what's happening and I couldn't be happier. Right? I don't understand <laughs> what's going on half the time, but I all I know is I love it. Um, yeah, Lapis X Labyrinth, it's uh, from Nis, Nis America. Um, I don't know why I added the America. That's just who's publishing it in this country. Um, but yeah, Nis, uh, I think it's just because Nis sounds too brief on its own, so I want to add something like id software. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's... Uh, a side-scrolling, hack-and-slashy, sort of brawly type thing um, where you play as little chibi heroes that stack on each other's heads in groups of four. There are lots of different character classes, like the witch that can do projectiles or the hunter that like fights with little daggers. Mm. Um, you basically run around hitting monsters, collecting treasure, um, and trying to find uh, the way out of each level. Um, and every time you, you hit and collect uh, jewels and, and coins and things you're building up a meter that when it's filled, you hit fever mode. And it just occurs with this lovely little bright musical (laughs) announcement. Fireworks start going off in the background. Everything you hit starts exploding in gemstones and jewels. You start being able to see a thing that's happening. and You can't see it. it. It's colours. It it feels like you pulled the the slot machine arm and suddenly you won the jackpot and the alarm's going off and the coins are pouring out. And you're like, oh, I won. It's... Imagine if, like, something like a Devil May Cry 5 where you've got your style system, you hit triple S rank and suddenly it's like, okay, now you can't see what's going on anymore because it's just throwing reward points at you going, yep. you did it, you did it, you did it. It's the same yeah. kind of, of validating rush. The name of this game, how do you spell it? Uh, L-A-P-I-S, L-A-P-I-S, then Because yeah. I didn't know if it was like lab is labyrinth or what. Lapis. No, no, Lapis like is in the, the, Lapis the precious like the, stone. Yeah, the stone X labyrinth. Well, just yep. watch some footage of fever mode happening. I don't Earth understand. Is... Like, I might have characters die and not realise they've died and not be able to go back for them because oh, there's too much stuff going on. And I don't even care. It's a it's bunch of anime girls standing on each everywhere. other's heads like a totem pole. Yep. Yeah, and you can throw them and they'll do attacks um, and you can cycle through them. But yeah, it's basically all of the thrill and the rush that you might get from loot boxes, except with actual ethics, yeah. because they're not trying to make money out of, you know, potential problem gambling. It's it's a casino feel, but you're always winning. Yeah. Did, There's no loss. Did you, you, you will did always you play... inevitably get a massive payday. Did you play relatively well enough-ish Sure, have the casino payout and let the things in your brain go. Yeah, you won, you won. Good, good, happy feels, brain. Yeah, my only major criticism comes in some of the um, inventory stuff. There's a lot of menus to go through with inventory management. And I really don't like that there's an equipment limit, a points limit, Mm. because I can, I've got so much cool stuff and I cannot equip half of it. I do not. And almost all of my upgrades, materials, and money is going into expanding my equipment limit. Because the whole Um, point of the game is to collect such ludicrous amounts of stuff and to get so constantly rewarded, it feels odd to not just let you collect it all. Yeah, that can kind of take the sting out of it a little. From an outsider perspective here, just looking at screenshots as well, the UI in itself is turning... like It's not really my kind of game anyway, but Jesus Christ, the UI is a clusterfuck. (laughs) Well, here's the thing. Don't look at the UI. Um, yeah. I saw a Kotaku article on it. This is what brought it to my attention. And they mentioned, like, you should never look at the fever meter 
So it's always a nice surprise when it happens. Yeah. Um, that it's... said, if you play it long enough, you always get an idea of when it's coming, um, just from yeah. memory. But yeah, I never bother looking at it... the UI. Yeah, you you basically want to play this like a mindless hack and slash game, and you want those fever results to basically be your unexpected, you hit the jackpot, you didn't see it coming, here's the reward. Yeah. <laughs> And then the moment it hits, you are running through that map just trying to find the areas that gate you off. What's fever? Is that like a superpower? Like an overcharge mode? You're, yeah, you're invincible. You, I think you get a damage boost, but as you hit enemies, they just start paying out every hit. You, just and colorful you can hit jewels and explode and, everywhere. Yeah, just constant shower of riches and rewards. Um, and that's... It's amazing. It's never not dull when it happens. Every time it feels good, unless you end up having it when you've cleared out most of the map and you can't find anything. I have I have minor frustrations with it. Like I will. I I sort of mentioned this a little bit earlier. I will sometimes get frustrated if during fever mode I have a character pass out and it's like ah I didn't notice that and I didn't go back to get you. And because there were rewards everywhere, and by the time that yeah. he stops throwing all the cool flashing stuff at me, I'm like, oops, I'm a party member down, and when did that happen? It's it's not usually enough to make me not happy about the big reward that happened, but it's occasionally just like, I wish there was some kind of indicator of, hey, go back there this way. I just posted a screenshot in the chat, and it's just... Just look at that screenshot and imagine seeing that as someone who doesn't know what this game is. <laughs> that's the thing though is is i (laughs) i saw images like this and that's what attracted me to it but then i i i'm someone who um has to be careful in casinos because i love all the bright lights and the flashing colors and the the idea of these big layouts it's part of again why i've got a personal axe to grind with loot boxes because it preys on people like that yeah Mm. it's Um, why i've said before like i don't like even accept free loot boxes in a game like Overwatch because I'm like I know it's gonna get me on that slightly addicted path. Yeah, yeah, it's it's the whole first one's free thing. Like a lot of video games are like stereotypical drug dealers from eighties cartoons. Um, I've 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 got a Jimquisition coming up on that because the industry knows full well what it's doing and I know it knows full well what it's doing. Um, but anyway, uh, games like this are an absolute joy because it. They could have monetized this. It's it's got all of the feel. Like they, there's a reason it keeps getting compared to casino payouts. But that the point of it is to feel that rush. It's not to try and make you chase that rush. It's not to get money out of you to pay for that rush. The rush is the game. And that's what I love about it. The thing is, I could see a version of this game on mobile where you're only mm. allowed to complete so many levels per day unless you pay to play more. And that the, then becomes, hey, didn't it feel great to play those levels? Go on, give us some money so you can have that feeling again. Yeah, like, there'd be cooldown timers before yeah. you could go back in. Probably pay to like pay real money to expand your equipment limit instead of using game resources. Yeah. I can see that version of this game existing, yeah. but it just doesn't. And it, I hate lovely. what the industry's done to me. Where we're praising a game because it doesn't do terrible Not just things. That. Not just that, but where I can see how it, would, how it could be ruined. Yeah. Because that makes me... I feel like it's turning my brain partially into Bobby Kotick. 
because it makes me look at games the way he clearly sees all video games. Yeah. Of how can we segregate content? How can we portion this off? How can we strip it down and rebuild it as an edifice to money? And I'm like, oh, it, ups- it, it upsets me that I have to view games through that lens. But I do appreciate when a game like this comes out and it's just it just says, hey, do you want to... Do you want to feel rewarded? Do you not want to have to grind for hours or get tempted to pay for things? Do you want to just dive into a level and be guaranteed five minutes of fun or however long you want to play? Because I always start with five minutes, but I end up having to clear a chapter every time because I need to go through at least six or seven levels. Yeah. Because it's just, it's hard to put down. Um, Yeah, absolute joy to play. Absolute joy. It's 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 charming. It's a lot. It's very overwhelming. I, I it's very nice. In, in terms of audiovisual stuff, I was initially concerned it might be a little too overwhelming. I got on all right with it in the end, but I looked at that and went, "Am I going to be able to cope with this? Because this is a lot." <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We... Turned out nice. Yeah. What else we played this week? Anyone played anything else? No, um... I didn't play Elder Scrolls Blades. Thinking of fucking <laughs> games that make you pay for stuff. Uh, yeah. Why would you not, though, Gavin? Todd Howard said he said it was a pure Elder Scrolls game. I remember playing Skyrim and waiting three hours for a box to open. Or just putting money into Skyrim so your box could open. Yeah, I remember doing that in Skyrim. God, Todd Howard lied through his fucking teeth. He lied through one of his two faces. <laughs> uh, I finished my shiny hunt in Pokemon. I got all my shinies. Yes, congrats. I did that. I'm still fucking playing that game. I'm going to go beat all of the Master Trainers. What train- is left to do? I'm going to go beat all the Master Trainers using oh, yeah. my shiny Pokemon, because that seems like <laughs> a sensible decision. I've got like six months before another Pokemon game comes out, so that's like six months. I can I can get all of my Pokemon to level up. You need to do an article about how that game, despite having a large social media following, even then it was hard for you to guess uh get all the shows. Yeah, I, I talked a little bit about that in my my big article I wrote about it. Oh, I, sorry. I, I, <laughs> I sorry you may, maybe you did. I haven't been on social media at all in the last oh, week. Oh no, so. that's no worry. I, you already did. I, I talked a little bit about it. It's it took me 400 hours to, to get a full shiny collection, even with 40,000 Twitter followers that I could go like, hey, has anyone got this one? And usually someone would. Yeah, that's kind of fucking ridiculous. Yeah, but like, clearly this is not the way the game is meant to be played. Like, n- no one is... Nintendo are not ever I intending thought... you to get all the shinies. Like, it's, I, I hey, did you get one? I thought that was literally the point of Pokemon. No, nah, the point or, of Pokemon... Or was the theme song lying to... The, the po- point of Pokemon is to get all of the Pokemon, not to get all of them in the one in four thousand odds variant. The game never like the game never even tells you that shiny Pokemon exist. It is meant to be a did you stumble upon this? Well done you, you lucked right. into this. Whereas I just went one in no. th- that one in four thousand chance. Okay, the the base odds are <laughs> one in four thousand. Um. You can get it down to about one in three hundred if you do a bunch of stuff. But can I ask you, where do you get this Zen monk-like patience, Laura? <laughs> um, uh, autism, ha- having a brain that likes to have very obsessively filled collections would... of things and likes doing repetitive actions can, over and can over. Can I have some? <laughs> uh, 
you can have some if you don't mind the fact that sometimes like you'll be able to hear the fact that the light makes a sound and that makes your brain not work properly you got to take a bit with a bit of both with it this is a fast this is this is a nintendo online feature where you can get something good but you've got to deal with some bullshit <laughs> I, I... super mario did you, you see a, that news you get a debuff with your buff Oh. Yes, exactly. Oh, yeah. It's, it's clan merits and clan flaws. So that that news you were mentioning was that the uh, you can't play online with yeah. your friends in Mario Maker Two. What I've got to ask this because no one else pointed. I don't. I didn't see anyone else pointed out. I pointed it out in my video. Yeah. This isn't the first time they've used the excuse they've used. What is it about Nintendo that they don't understand how leaderboards work? Because yeah. the reason you can't play Super Mario Maker 2 with friends online and you've got to play with randoms, which goes against everything Nintendo has tried to enforce with its online play in the past, <laughs> is because you could abuse leaderboards. Why the fuck can they not just have friend lobbies unranked? Yeah. Why? Um, and this, as I said, not the first time because when they said that not all of the games you pay to, you pay them an online fee to have your games backed up on cloud saves, but certain games you can't, like, mm. uh, well, like Pokemon yeah. couldn't at the time, Eevee and that, and Dark Souls, was again the same reason. Oh, people could abuse it, people could mess with the online rankings. I mean, literally not a problem on any other console. Your paranoia dreamed that problem up and you solved it, even while Splatoon 2 is already rife with cheating that you can't seem to stop yeah. so I, I just don't get what it is about online rankings that confuses Nintendo yeah. so much so as a side note I completely forgot to mention this I did get to play some, some Mario Maker 2 which is out in like a month oh um, right yes I'm, I'm intrigued I like the first one well enough so here's, here's the thing on paper this is unequivocally like a better game than the first one it's, it's basically the first game with more stuff You've got a single-player mode that seems like, from what I played, is really quite fun. Um, it's... You know how Mario Maker had a lot of promise, but, like, a lot of these difficult levels were made by people who don't know game design? The single-player yeah. is just, here's a bunch of, like, levels that do interesting stuff with this toolset, but Nintendo made them, so they're actually polished, but they're doing the weird ideas that you get in Mario Maker, where it's like, here's this kind of weird challenge level... So it's not the kind of Mario levels Nintendo normally put out, but they have that level of polish, which is really nice. Uh, because there's new art styles and new items in there, there's new types of levels you can make. You've got custom objectives, which really opens up the level types you can make. That's all great. I do have one gripe, and it's a thing that kind of was bothering me in my first couple of hours. And maybe I would get over it with a longer amount of time in the creative suite. Because they've got that new... Uh, Super Mario 3D World art style that isn't compatible with the other art styles. They've not made it compatible across the board. I kept getting confused in creative mode, trying to stick it like, oh yeah, uh, I'll, I'll put this clear pipe here and then I'll put a saw blade at the end of it. Ooh, why can't I find the saw blade item that I know I've used earlier today? Oh, that's no. only in the earlier 2D styles. I can't use that here. And there's no clear way to memorise which things are exclusive to one art style, which are exclusive to the other art style, or which ones work in both. I, I think one of the big strengths, if you were creating levels in the original game, was that they went out of their way to completely make uniform. Every single item works in every single art style. It's really simple and clear to know that. Um, like They went out of their way to make new sprites 
for items that didn't exist in old games. So it's like, oh, here's a bullet bill sprite for the old game that didn't have a bullet bill in it and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. By not make it, taking that additional step to port backwards stuff from 3D World or port stuff from the older games forward to 3D World, it just makes it a little less concise and clear and a little... It's just a little more confusing and complicated, which the game, the first game simplicity was one of its its big strengths. But like, if you can put that aside, there is definitely more stuff to create levels with. There is going to be a lot of like new kinds of levels you can make. If you're mainly picking this up to play a bunch of levels, there's a bunch of cool Nintendo made levels in there. There's probably going to be a bunch of levels in there from fans that couldn't have been made before. It does seem like a better game. It's just a less polished game. Right. Which right. is I I'm probably not going to spend a huge amount of time making levels in this and it's probably not going to be a huge issue for me, but it's something that bothered me trying to jump into the creative mode. That makes sense. I I I never I I've not got the brain for level design, so I didn't spend too much time. I made a few joke levels. Um but I mostly just tried other people's yeah. things. And that's there's yeah. a lot of content there to be had. Yeah, and I there are some things it does really nicely. Like um, when you're trying to make custom objectives for how to finish levels, it doesn't add the 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 custom objectives you can pick from until you put them in the level. So if you put some you know goombas in your level, now you could go to the menu and it'll have the option to be like kill up to the number of Goombas that are currently in your level to finish the level. It's very smart at propagating those custom objectives that you could set for your levels, like, as you build the levels, which is nice. Um, I'm excited to see more of it. Mario Maker is just a constant fountain of more Mario content, and I'm not upset about that. Yeah, I mean, that's 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 why it's such a good idea, is that, that core Mario gameplay is so easy to get into it's such an easy pick up and play something that having an endless spew of constantly generated single levels Mm. is yeah it was always a good idea i i am excited to see more of those nintendo developed ones as well because i there was one i was having a great time with which was a, a nintendo made level where the whole point was you can leave the ground but if you do you can't land again so you either have to try and walk the whole level, or you could do one jump somewhere in the level, but that has to be the one that gets you to the finish line. Because if you land again, oh, you're done. There's just a lot right. of interesting ones where it makes you play levels and go, oh, okay, that's an interesting limitation to work within. It definitely helps to teach like what kind of things you could make if you got interested in making levels. Good, good. Yeah, a lot of fun. I'm with looking it. forward to. You're looking forward to it. It'll be a. It's a nice casual distraction for me. Yeah, I'm always up for more Mario. Yeah. Um, the only other thing I, I really played of note this week was Layers of Fear 2. Um, they haven't learned too many lessons since the last one. The last one was alright. It was fine. It was very uh, trite. 
a lot of the same kind of tropes we've seen in dozens of horror games. The usual, oh, I'm walking down this corridor and I've hit a dead end. I bet when I turn around, it'll look completely different than it did going down. Oh, yes, it has. Oh, I've opened a door to a room. Now I've got to open the door I just came through and it's a different room. Ah! And it's just that stuff over and over to the point of near parody where I'm like, this is just, it's going through the greatest hits. Um, but they have introduced some stakes in this one. Um, Sorry. Uh, no, you're all right. You're watching Mario. <laughs> someone made a Sonic trailer. Someone made the Sonic trailer with classic Sonic in it. And it's actually oh, rather hell. impressive. Oh, I need I to see that. that out. Um, in fact, we'll wrap up quick. You don't need to know much about Layers of Fear 2. <laughs> it's fine. Um, but they have introduced some stakes. The the last one, like I've got no problem with with, you know, what they call the interactive fiction games, walking simulators, whatever. Um, there are a few that I love, you know, Edith Finch being one of them. The problem with Layers of Fear is it tried to make you feel like you were under threat from monsters and things, but while still being just interactive fiction and, and not having much in the way of yep. an ability to die. And that can run... You can make that work with a horror game, but not one where you're trying to convince them that there's something threatening you. The only time because that ever are... worked on me was Gone Home because I had no idea what kind of game I was playing when I started it. Yes. Well, that's what made it work. It wasn't telling you there's something that's going to get you. It wasn't telling you explicitly that there are monsters or ghosts or whatever. Yeah. Layers of Fear gave you that impression that something might happen, and the moment you realise nothing would actually happen to you, oh, no, but it dispelled a lot No, that's what I'm saying. Gone Home did the same for me, because I didn't know what a walking sim was when I played Gone Home. Yeah. I oh, thought no, that's it was going to be like a, a, an actual horror title, if you get me. Yeah, yeah. But what I'm saying is, is Layers of Fear... Um, didn't do what Gone Home did because there were explicit expectations laid out that it did not live up to. Whereas with Gone Home, like you say, you didn't know what to expect. Um, so that kind of dispelled a lot of the effect of Layers of Fear. In this one, in Layers of Fear 2, there is actual tangible threat. But that's not even all, all handled all that well. So it, it, it kind of explains why they didn't go with, with monsters and death states and everything in the first one. Um, but it's fine. It's fine. A lot of the games spent in black and white, which I wouldn't mind, except it's also they're really dark areas when they're in black and white, so it just looks a bit rubbish. Um, but it's all right. Uh, that's it from me. I think we've we've gone over everything yeah, we need to go I over. Think, I think we've done it. Yeah, we'll go and look at that Sonic thing now. Um, Laura, where can people find your things on the internets and that? Me? Uh, I might have to re-record this in the morning. Depends. I think I can talk about this now. Um, you can find me at Laura K Buzz pretty much everywhere. Laura K Buzz on Twi Twitter, Twitch, YouTube. And as of next week again, Patreon. I'm leaving that Kotaku oh. UK. I'm going back and doing, uh, doing freelance stuff again. Because I've got a couple of books coming out this year. Things I learned from Mario's Butt and Uncomfortable Labels. I've got a bunch of my own projects and I went, you know... I'm going to go back and do my solo stuff and see how that goes. So yeah. as of the time you hear the next episode of this, I will be back to self-employed. Um, I'm going to be doing a bunch of stuff for sci-fi fangirls. So you can find a bunch of my writing over there. That'll be really nice. I'm going to be back to freelance by the time E3 comes around. So look out for a bunch of cool stuff around E3. Starting in the next couple of weeks, I have a bunch of new projects starting. Um, I've got a podcast that 
You can find it on iTunes now, but we haven't got the first episode up yet, which is Tonal Whiplash. It is an interview podcast where I get interesting people. Uh, One of my first guests is a musical person I've wanted to talk to for years, and we alternate asking them a serious question and a silly question for half an hour. It's a lot of fun. Uh, I'm on Dice Funk, which is a Dungeons & Dragons podcast. Uh, Queer and Pleasant Strangers, where I talk with my fiancé about things we've done, and we do silly skits and voices. But mainly, hey, I'm going to be back on Patreon next week. You might want to, you know, please, please support the Patreon. That's going to, it's big and exciting going back to Patreon, and I really hope that that goes well off the bat. So, yeah, everything is exciting and scary again. (laughs) (laughs) Um, wonderful stuff. And Gavin, um, where can people find your r- lovely music? You can find it on YouTube, on iTunes, on Spotify. And as somebody reminded me to plug last week, I f- always forget to mention I'm also on Bandcamp, which is a really good place to get my music. And I'm on Twitter, although I haven't been on social media this week because it's been even more toxic than usual this week for some reason. Between Game of Thrones and politics and everything, I've just been like, nah, nah, let's just not look. So uh, there's that. And then you can also support me on Patreon if you want to help keep me in a job. And it's Miracle of Sound. Yeah. Also, uh, by the time next week's episode comes up, I'll probably be affiliate on Twitch as well, so you can probably give me money there if you want. I think that'll be a thing by then. Just while I'm throwing around places, you can give me money. Give me, give me money so I can keep making it's shit. It's going to be a Twitch streamer. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a thing I've been enjoying doing more of recently, and I'd like to get back yeah. into. I think it's an amazing thing for um, certain personality types. I could never do it. <laughs> I fucking hate people watching me. Well, I... <laughs> Here's the thing, if I'm going to be playing God knows how many or more hours of Pokemon, I might as well yeah. do it, you know, <laughs> while having nice conversations with yeah, people. Exactly. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. I think, you'll, I think you'll do well on Twitch, Laura. I think so. I, I loved your, um, when you did the, the Undertale run, I watched a lot of you in, in that Sans fight. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, so yeah, good stuff. Hooray. So yeah, no, look out for next week. Please, that'll be good. <laughs> I, I would, I would like to be able to eat at the end of end of next month. <laughs> uh, all that remains to be said is thank you so much for your continued support, for listening, for sharing stuff that we do. It's always greatly appreciated. Um, I don't think I've got anything to announce. Uh, we're still working out details for my appearance in Pittsburgh um, for a company that I'll be talking about in future. Um, I've been teasing a lot about the new wrestling gimmick. Um, I do want to just outright state, Stirred Dust is not necessarily coming back. Um, I've talked about this before. I need to move on from that particular branding. But I feel like Stirred Dust was a great back. starting point, and Stirred Dust is great. That um, I think if for people who know you, but I always felt Stirred Dust kind of depended on people who knowing who you were as a pun do you get what i mean it's a hard thing yeah like the name doesn't make sense if you don't know my name is jim sterling yeah um to most people who know wrestling it it's just gimmick infringement which is often frowned upon unless you do it excellently um but i am keeping some some themes from stardust will retain but a lot more original a lot easier to understand straight away i think um, stardust stardust would it. make a great um character in in some um Inquisition episodes. <laughs> oh, sure. He's popped up a few times, yeah. Um, but he, he belongs there, really. Um, 
So I yeah, yeah, that's that. I nearly that, said positions there. Sorry, sorry, yeah. I keep interrupting you. Oh no, it's good. It's good. We're all done. Um, thank you so much, and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.